Uh, that's how we start our Fridays every Friday. <clears throat> and just when I started talking, here comes that frog and jumps up and gets me every time. Hey, good morning, everybody. It's Friday morning. It's 10 a.m. You're listening to WMNF Radio, Community Radio, the biggest little sound in the southeast. Can we say that, J.D.? I'm sure we can. And, you know, I think people probably tune in to hear us sing, you know? There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I think so. And you start, you listen, I, I, full disclosure, my name is Mario Nunez and my broadcast partner. John Dingfelder, good morning, Mario. Good Let's, morning to you, John. We'll, we'll so I, I, I have to right. say that I was, I was just on my phone the other day and I was, you know, looking at some of the YouTube clips that I save and, you know, that's in your archives. This song came up. No way. Yeah, and I listened to the whole song all the way through, and I thought, well, I'm late for my show. I got to get on the show. You know, because we have that. Now it's kind of one of those things. We hope that people on Friday mornings, when they hear that sound, you know, they, they know that good things are coming behind it. They better get their cup of coffee and sit down for an hour and listen to our pontifications. I love it. <laughs> we, we like to opine on just about everything. So listen, at the top of the show, let me say a great big heartfelt thank you, because last week we had our fundraiser. And Johnny, we did pretty good. We did good. We busted it. We doubled uh, doubled our goal. More than doubled our goal. We okay, were, don't, we don't say great. it too loud because, you know, they're going to put it on us next time. You yeah, know, don't know. say that too loud. But we are very proud of the fact that, uh, we, you know, we, we exceeded expectations. Our listeners, and, uh, our friends, our family, they came through. And we appreciate it. And we, we appreciate it. And, and we the get station stay, appreciates it. And we get to stay on the air for a little bit and play radio a little bit longer. So <laughs> that's always a good thing, too. Yeah. Well, Mario, I am tickled. We've got a couple of special guests in the studio today, Indeed. including your beautiful uh, and talented wife. Right over there, Miss Sally Miss Nunez. Sally. There she is. Good morning, Sally. She wasn't expecting that. Yeah, I know. And also another uh, beautiful, talented, brilliant young lady, my daughter, Sadie Dingfelder. Good morning, Sade. Good morning, Dad and everyone. <laughs> Sadie is visiting here from, uh, from Washington, D.C. slash West Virginia where she's made her home for the last 20-odd years. She grew up here in Tampa. She's a plant-high panther. I'm Pena. There you go. But Sadie, what's going on? Uh, I think you're enjoying our warm weather. Oh, yes. Um, it's so beautiful down here in the spring. And um, let's see. I didn't see an alligator this morning, but I saw lots of beautiful herons and ibises and egrets. You said you saw some little duckies on the river that were, like, running away from the alligator or something. Yeah, like little that. ducklings. I hear that there's one fewer every week. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, my daughter is an animal lover. And Mother and Nature can be so cruel, huh, Sadie? Yes, definitely. You know. <laughs> but um, uh, so we're heading to the beach on, on Sunday, I think, and I'll be good. Um, on a more serious note, Sadie has a book coming out. She is, Sadie is a legitimate writer. That's right. She wrote for the Washington Post for about a decade, I think, a, a division of the Washington Post. And uh, and she's got a book coming out. It's uh, kind of interesting. You can preview it, Sadie. And then later on toward the summer, we'll have you back uh, maybe uh, with, with some other folks to talk about your book. That would be amazing. Um, yeah, my book is called Do I Know You? Question mark. Um, and it's got quite a subtitle. Uh, let me try to rattle it off. A face blind reporters invest. No, a face blind reporters. We didn't bring the book. Search in the, no. <laughs> <laughs> into the science of imagination, memory, and vision. I said that all wrong. There Something like that. There you go. We got to clean that up. That is quite the subtitle, though. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get better at that. Can we get that on the billboard? I'm not sure. So, so bottom, <laughs> bottom line is, uh, as an adult, Sadie uh, discovered uh, that she had a couple of conditions, including one that a lot of people know about now that's called face blindness. Yeah. And uh, as well as a few other uh, related vision conditions. And, and she's put it in this really 
clever, interesting, uh, sometimes funny book uh, that I enjoyed reading the other night. Yeah, my dad's one of the main characters. Oh, and... that, that's, you know. <laughs> Surprises no one, but yes. <laughs> but what I, you know, this is actually a really common, um, my most common like, I don't want to say ailment, but, you know, condition is stereo blindness. Anyone whose eyes don't line up exactly right, or even many people whose eyes do, um, don't really see in 3D, and they'd have no idea. They have no idea that they live in a flat painting-like world because that's all they've ever known. And and, and all those years, I just thought you were clumsy and not a good athlete. <laughs> And there's a legitimate scientific reason for both. There's a legitimate scientific reason, but it's also true to say I am clumsy and not a good athlete. <laughs> All right, Sam. Well, we welcome you to the studio. You can uh, uh, <laughs> chime in anytime you want about the very important First Amendment issues that we're going to be discussing uh, with our next guest. Yay, next guest. <laughs> and Sadie, welcome. I'd like to throw my welcome in there as well and say that I'm most curious about the, the, the title of your book. And, you know, we hear sometimes on, on commercials when they are they're advertising some kind of an aromatic, uh, you know, they talk about nose blindness, right? So, you know, you've gone nose blind. You don't smell it anymore because you're, you're around it so much. <clears throat> That's an actual condition. And I guess so is, so is face blindness, right? I mean, blindness automatically would default to the eyes. But it doesn't necessarily have to be. Oh, this that. is all about your brain. Yeah, and the, the neurological wiring. And so I'm, I am, I am going to get the book. Yeah. I'm going to read the book, and then when you come back, you can sign my book. Okay, Sadie. Okay, thank you. Very good. All right. So, um, in our more serious topic today, not that you're not serious, Sadie, but our more serious topic today, uh, we have our guest uh, James Shaw. And James, I didn't print out your bio. You and I have known each other a long time. I know you as a, a ACLU volunteer attorney here in the Tampa Bay area, and you did that for a long, long time. Um, but uh, I understand you've sort of stepped away officially from the ACLU, but your heart is still civil liberties and freedoms. And many people, I'm sure, MNF know who you are and have heard you before. James Shaw, welcome. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So um, what we're going to talk about today is um, is this Tim Burke case. Uh, the Tim, uh, Tim Burke case, um, I guess, started about a, a year ago. Um, James, give us a little background for those people who aren't familiar with the Tim Burke case. It's been, he was recently indicted um, and uh, it's been in the news quite a bit. Yeah, I'll give like kind of the, the overview for people that aren't intimately familiar with the situation, but it, it kind of started with Kanye West, right? There, there was an interview with uh, between Kanye West and uh, Tucker Carlson and what on was Fox broad- News on Fox News, right? And what was broadcast on on the Tucker Carlson show was very heavily edited. There were some very controversial things that uh, Kanye West said during that interview that were edited out, including some anti-Semitic remarks. Some, I think some anti-Semitic remarks and some some something that was maybe not controversial to us, but would be controversial to Tucker Carlson's viewers is that he had been vaccinated, you know, that, that, that oh, was, yeah. that was edited out because he was trying to present Kanye West to his audience as something maybe other than what he really was. And, uh, Tim Burke has been a, a journalist that kind of, if there's, if there's a common theme to his work, it's that he, he's showing what the rest of the media overlooked. He is, he's digging out things that they could have digged out but didn't. Embarrassing and, uh, some perhaps big people. Indeed. And, uh, and, and as, as, we, as we were discussing, when you embarrass big people, you know, sometimes the, the, the wrath ends up raining down upon you. So uh, Tim ended up getting a hold of some footage that had... Um, that was edited out of the the Tucker Carlson show and 
published it on his website, and then it was picked up by Vice News and, and some other news outlets, and they kind of did stories that embarrassed Tucker Carlson, that what he presented, it's not what in fact happened in his studio, and it embarrassed Kanye West. And um, and not too long after that, uh, the FBI raided Tim's house and, and seized all of his computers, and he unsuccessfully tried... Just out of the blue. I mean, nobody... I don't know that anybody knew it com- that was coming, right? Right. I, I think they they could have just called him, right? <laughs> but but instead, met they, him they, for they, coffee or something and discussed right. it with him. I, I I don't think that he would have you know smashed his computers, but um because he he never really made any bones about what he did. He put it on his website, but um but they raided his house and they they took all of his computers. He's he tried unsuccessfully to get them back in in court, and then uh, very so that think, happened about what about a year ago. I think in the summer or, or no, it was in it the was spring. It was last summer, I think. It was uh, yeah. it, it, when they raided his house. It was shortly after the uh, yeah the local election. Yeah, right. And and then um, and then you know just a couple of weeks ago, he was actually arrested and, and indicted and, and charged with uh, with violating the uh, for lack of a better term the computer hacking statute that he had the federal you know, yeah right federal statute yeah. So but Mario, um, let me ask you. The, you know, this is a big deal to us lawyers, um, but is it a big deal to to the guy on the street? Uh, from your perspective, from my perspective, I, I you know I was always on the side of Tim Burke on this one. Yeah. You know, if you've got the skill set, I'm thinking that affords you the uh, the workaround. If you want to look at it that way, <clears throat> then more power to you. I think that the internet, in, in at all, opens itself up to people who can do the forensic stuff, who can do the excavating, who can go beyond the veil and figure things out. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be able to hack, right? I mean, that means you've got to know passwords. You've got to be able to do a deeper dive. And I don't think that's what Tim was doing. Tim was just nose to the grindstone, doing the good gumshoe, hard-hitting investigative. And it took the time to do it, too. I'm glad. I'm, I'm thinking he didn't just happen upon this you know he had to spend some time and invest some time mm-hmm. from where i sit <clears throat> i'm always going to be on the side of the little guy and if it's the investigative journalist come on bring it let's yeah. go yeah for, for people who don't know who tim is what you're probably familiar with if you don't know him by name is his, his documentary that untold the girlfriend that didn't exist about the uh the notre dame football player manny teo and he had this which was pretty impressive it, it, it was, james it it's was phenomenal spectacular yeah, yeah if you haven't watched it yeah. it's, it's available watching. Because it, it's it's about two things at the same time. It's about Manny Teo, the football player, Absolutely. and how he was catfished by a, a, somebody who pretended to be a girl that was his girlfriend. And and but it's also about how there was this media narrative that look at this this football player. He's a big star, and his girlfriend is dying of cancer. And and everyone was was running this story. And it it took Tim to say. Well, wait a minute. This girlfriend doesn't seem to exist except as his girlfriend. There's, there's no record of this person ever having gone to we high school. We've seen them at the same or, time. Right. They've never been seen together. Right. Something's wrong here. And so Tim Burke likes to speak truth to power. It sounds like right. And and he he's he's as much a journalist as a as a, a critic of other journalists because there's a, a thread through that whole documentary of. Why did it take a couple of punk journalists like us to see what should have been obvious to all of these professionals? And mm-hmm. it kind of made some of the professionals look bad for having overlooked that. So, James, let's let's talk about uh, the 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 feds, what they're asserting in their indictment, as compared to the the facts as Tim and his lawyer uh, have presented them. Sure. So, com- computer hacking. You know, there's an there's an actual statute. And um, it has a name. I forget what it's called. Computer it's Fraud 
CFAA. The CFAA, yeah, the Computer Fraud um, here. Yeah, yeah. Act. Um, so, Something act. But it, it's basically the, the federal statute that says thou act. shalt not hack into somebody else's computer. Sure. You, you can't. Probably a good thing. Right. You, you can't get um, somebody else's login and password and, and to their email account, for instance, or to their, uh, to their workplace and hack in there and get documents and publish them or use them yourself. It, it's, they, they're charging him under that statute. For still money. Yeah. That's not what he did. What what he did was he he found what the, the from his perspective right well it, it I mean no, we don't know the I mean, facts from, aren't in front of the jury yet from from anybody's perspective though I, I I read the appellate brief that was filed in the Eleventh Circuit Court of Appeal and it explains kind of how he did it and and essentially he 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 found URLs that you can any of us could type into a website and and find the, the raw footage right so it's um. Now it's it's not somewhere on the internet that you or I might have known to go look for it, but that's because we're not investigative journalists. It's his job to go look for things. On a, a big amount of journalism today is going on the internet and looking for things. So um, so he found it on the internet and 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 published it, but it it was not password protected. It, he didn't use someone else's login credentials. I mean, it was it was right there for anyone to see if you knew where to look for so it. So I think the case might turn on authorization. What is authorization? You know, did he feel that he had the authorization to to do it, or did the jury agree with him? And 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 then I guess the government's going to try and prove otherwise. You know, in in the Tampa Bay Times on Wednesday, they they interviewed some professors, and the professors talked about that. But I, respectfully, I I don't necessarily agree. I mean, I think if you've published something on the internet, if it's right there on on a website with a URL that anybody can can type it in and see it. I don't think you can put something on the internet and say there's no password or anything, but only the people that I want to see this should see it. I mean, once you've published it, it's out there. <clears throat> what, here, the, here. what did the professors say? They said it. You know, it might depend on how we found out that it was there, and and but what that doesn't that? make any sense because that no. would mean there's a website that. I'm allowed to look at, but you're not allowed to look at because I found out one way that it existed and you found it. If you put a book in the library and you don't get to complain that somebody read it, Wait you know that people are walking around in libraries <clears throat> reading the books they find in James, there. James, let me ask you a question, and I'm going to give, the, I'm going to give our listeners our call-in uh, number and, and our email and Go our text it. in just a second. But I'm just, in keeping with that thread, right. you're doing something naughty inside your house. Maybe fun, but naughty. Right? The blinds are closed, but they're a little bit open on the bottom, just a little bit open on the bottom. And I'm cutting my yard next door, and I happen to look over there, and oh, my goodness. What's happening over there? So I kind of hunker down a little bit, and I get a, a peek in there. I just peek. I'm not looking. I'm not gawking. I'm on my property, but I can see there's something going on in there. It's kind of fun. What am I? Is that... You know what I mean? You've, yeah, you've, I, you've left yourself. I know that's a loose, wild landscape of an analogy, but you know what I mean? It's, it's like they're coming after Tim... For Mario, doing some Sally's here and she's getting I a little worried. She's getting nervous, right? Here we go. Let's I, ring a bell for my wife who's looking at me like, well, what are you looking at other people's blinds for? No, baby, it's just a... All right, we, get, you, the, we get that analogy. Yeah, go but ahead. it's not a great analogy, oh, though, because I it was. the Internet's not your house. You know, you, you, you don't expect privacy yes, open on a website. Oh, Correct. Point. The Internet is a library. All right, and, okay. And if you're putting something in a library... I guess if you were on the front porch, maybe a little bit yeah, different. Yeah, you, no, you know you're not supposed to peek into people's windows, but you are supposed to look at things that you see on the internet that's what it's there for right. boy. so, so, so the analogy you, did work because in the correction you made it work those of you who want to uh, join the conversation where you can call us at 813-239-9663 or email us at dj at wmnf.org text us at 
433-0885. And we do have a caller. Shall we go to the caller and see what this caller has to say? Sure, sure. As he's been sitting there waiting patiently for a few minutes, let's bring him in the conversation. If you'd like to join James Shaw today and the conversation, please give us a call. Caller, you're on the air. Can you hear us? Yeah, hi. How are you? Hey, David. Good morning from Tampa. Thank you. I was just curious, like, what do y'all take about, like, why is this occurring now when Biden is president, you know, and, and um, was it Merrick Garland as the attorney general? It just seems weird. Maybe this makes more sense under a Trump administration to go after Tim Burke, but I don't understand why it's happening now. So let me chime in on that real real quick. Um David, thanks. Thanks. And I've been wondering the same thing. It, it is kind of the timing is sort of strange. Uh, you would have expected it uh, under the prior administration. Um, in regard to the I, I talked to the an ACLU attorney, national ACLU attorney, um, about that specific question. And I asked, how high up does this decision have to be made? Is this made is this decision to be made? prosecute locally at the district, you know, at the uh, district level um, by the U.S. attorney here in Tampa or elsewhere. And the ACLU attorney is very familiar with this, Jennifer Granick. She told me that that she believes the protocol within the Department of Justice is that a decision like this to go after, quote, a journalist has to be made at the Washington level. Uh, we don't know that for fact, but it does. And then and then it brings up the question that you have is, you know, does it go even any further politically? You know, is there any political connection, James? Yeah, I, I, I can only speculate. I mean, we don't we're not privy to that. I know we that may the, never will probably never will be right. And, and you have inside the DOJ, you have you have career attorneys who who, who are working there. So at, at the very top levels, it, it changes uh, with administrations, politics, but but yeah. below that, it's people who are there for their their whole careers. So, thank goodness. So I I, yeah. I don't know if it's it's hard for me to say how high this decision went, but it it was quite a decision to decide to to handle this as yeah this really should have been a civil matter. This that if there's a CD sitting here on the desk, if I were to say hey that's my CD, I left that here the last time I was here, and you said no it isn't, it's mine, I bought it myself, and and I grab it and I say well I'm calling the cops. The cops aren't going to come and say, well, I'm going to determine whose CD it is and whoever it wasn't is getting arrested for taking the CD. No, they're going to say, this is a civil matter. You guys need to go to civil court and resolve that. If Fox had a problem with Tim Berg, they could have just sued him him themselves. Right. The the statute that we're talking about has a criminal component and it has a civil component. So Fox could have just sued Tim and they could have resolved the issue of whether or not he was allowed to go to the website that he went to in court without anybody raiding his house without him threatening the the future of of behind bars but they they took this very far thank you for your call david so listen um as a matter of disclosure i used to be a a paid attorney a staff attorney with the aclu um did that for a couple of years and and um when this when this issue came along i i saw that the aclu and about a half dozen other first amendment organizations at the national level had filed an amicus brief, a, a friend of the court brief, uh, on the, on these issues and on the the issue that's now up on appeal of whether or not the gentleman, uh, Mr. Burke, should have get his equipment back, and um, and so the ACLU got involved. I called uh, Jennifer Granick, uh, who was who wrote the brief for the ACLU, and she was very helpful. We got a soundbite from uh, Jennifer on why this is important to the ACLU. 
How did the ACLU hear about this case and how did you guys get involved in it? I think more people are learning about it now that the case has evolved and um, that Tim has been indicted. Um, But we learned about it because um, one of Tim's attorneys gave us a call to give us a heads up that this case was going on. And I think he knew that the ACLU has a longstanding interest in um, protecting journalism and protecting journalists' acquisition of information that's relevant to matters of the public interest. Mm -hmm. And and what part of Tim's case appealed to you enough to, to write an amicus brief? Well, for me, I think a big part of it was the allegation of um, hacking and having violated the Computer um, Fraud and Abuse Act. Uh, Early in my career, before I worked at Stanford Law School, I was a criminal defense lawyer and I represented computer hackers. So, you know, back in like the mid 90s, I was doing cases involving computer crimes, um, you know, and representing people who had been accused of them. So I have a long standing interest um, and, um, you know, critical relationship with the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. Um, And then, you know, I think just as a free speech lawyer working at one of the nation's premier free speech organizations, being interested in journalists' rights and, and the ability of the public to get access to information, um, you know, is is really important. So for those of you who are tuning in just now, uh, we've got James Shaw, a civil liberties attorney, uh, joining us. We're talking about the Tim Burke case, and that that recording was Jennifer Granick with the ACLU National. So um, you got another call, Mary? No, no, what we do, we're going to go to the caller now. But it also, I've got an email here that, it, it looks like um, media consultant is the way they're referring to Tim Burke. I guess that's the consensus. The newspapers refer to him as a media consultant. So, And, and if media consultants have liberty to be able to do what Tim did or is accused of doing, I don't know that that's such a bad thing. I, I, I find that, that very unfair. I mean, he, he's a journalist, and, and the, let's be honest, the newspapers are not neutral in that question because you have, <laughs> right? the, you have right? the traditional media of newspapers, radio shows, television shows, magazines. But then you have this newfangled internet kind of journalism where they're they're more on the fringes. And I think that the the people in the traditional institutions view people like Tim as not real journalists. I'm a real journalist and you're just a punk. They right? sort of but, just poo-poo but, him. Poo-poo. But, but, I mean, it, he's a journalist. It, if, and, the journalist and a bright guy just, by all accounts. The, the, the government said mm-hmm. in its briefs, they said, well, he's not. he hasn't used his byline in a long time. But the journalist isn't just the one who wrote the article. It's also the researchers and the investigators and the, the spell checkers. I mean, they're all part of making that final product. Tim's and, part and of that. James, 100%. you gave us the ultimate compliment about an hour ago, and you said that we're journalists uh, in that regard, you know, yep. that we're digging for truth. We're trying to speak truth to power. You are, and, and all of the micro-bloggers in Tampa Bay that have these, you know, tampabaypolitics.com kind of websites, they're journalists too. Anybody who's gathering information that and, and then disseminating it to the public that's of interest to the public is a journalist. So before we go to our caller, let me just go ahead and say, <clears throat> James, you and you called me out on it because apparently the uh, the analogy that I used was a little bit, uh, a little off base because we did get an email saying that, you know, apparently Mario has been doing some creeping in the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't. I just, I got I got a little wayward with my analogy, but but before, it served its purpose because James brought it right back to point. So Before but, we go to the call, I, actually, it's funny. Jennifer Granick spoke to this issue of who is a journalist. Let's roll that. People who 
who act with the intention of gathering news, um, you know, that intention is honored as, you know, news gathering activity. And when in the law you get special credit for that or special treatment for that, you know, we have to we have to present that. As I said, you know, the law treats you know, journalists have no special privilege to break the law, um, but people don't have to get licenses to to be journalists. And I think, you know, today more than ever before, that's important because we are getting our news in ways that we never got our news before. You know, and when I was a kid, it was you know, uh, you know, Walter Cronkite and news anchors. That's when I was a baby. I don't want to say that when I was young. You know, it was news anchors um, on, you know, the three major networks. It was the New York Times, the Washington Post. These were people who had, you know, journalism degrees, that they were professional journalists. And you look around now and it's like, you know, we're getting our news from micro local bloggers who cover particular neighborhoods in San Francisco. We're getting news from you know, specialists say in like cryptocurrency, and that's their only thing they cover, but they happen to know about it. And they start, you know, they start a blog, or they have a medium page or a Substack, or, you know, whatever the um, Patreon or whatever it is, there's so many news outlets, and there's so many different um, ways that news is produced by people who are from all different backgrounds now. And overall, I mean, I think that's a real benefit because we get better news coverage. It means that more people are in the news business. And I don't think we should be suspicious of that. I think we should be grateful about that because it means we're getting more information from more perspectives and from more experts than we have in the past. We've got a caller. We should acknowledge he's been waiting for almost nine minutes now. Bob calling from Tampa. Thank you for waiting so patiently. You've got a question or comment? Nine minutes worth investing. Attaboy. Good morning. Good morning. Good, this is good morning. This is Bob Whitmore. How you I doing? I had a feeling Bob Whitmore was listening. <laughs> Hi, Bob. Yeah. Um, Big supporter. Thank together, you, Bob. I'm, I'm trying to put together a cartoon on this thing, and you guys are giving me all kinds of ideas, so I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Um, one of the things that I think is really sort of going unsaid, and I don't want to make anybody's head explode, is that this all happened during the election. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't know if you want to comment on that, John, at some point along, along the line and speculate, you know, any kind of conspiracy theories. But um, it's just uh, it's funny that this all happened. And, and you know, our most liberal um, city councilman since you, John, is now completely distracted by this um, this this mess, and uh, it's it's unfortunate because you know one of the things that I'm I'm gleaning from this this conversation, and thank you so much for having it. It's so important. Um, is that Tim did not break the CFAA in any way, shape, or form? If this happens to go through, investigative reporting from a grassroots level is going to be incredibly damaged because as a lot of your um, experts have said and a lot of your um, callers, you know, journalism just isn't what it used to be. You know, it's, it's not Watergate. You know, it's, it's the little guy looking for stories and finding the facts um, to, to kind of get the, as you've been saying, John, to speak, speak truth to power. So, this is huge. I think this is really big for Tampa and really big for journalism that this gets defeated and Tim comes out um, 
clean on this thing because he is clean. You know? Bob, we're gonna we're gonna it is big, and we're gonna continue talking about this as long as this case is is hanging around, and perhaps even further. We appreciate your call and your comments. Uh, I agree with you completely. I'm, I kind of made an, an executive decision not to get into the political side of this because we don't really know, and 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 I'd rather just kind of focus on Tim Burke at this point. But good. down the road, if we get more information, we'll definitely include that. Um, have a good day, Bob. Thank you for you your call, too. Bob. Thanks, thanks, guys. So, so you made that decision, but I didn't. <laughs> and if somebody gets down and dirty on here, well, let it be me for this week. But yeah, it does look kind of suspicious, and it does look kind of funky. Yeah, we and, can we can talk about and, and it without we, mentioning we, names. The, you know, the, Tim Burke is a, is is married to an elected official, and some people are very concerned about that. The fact that I think maybe somebody, even some of her equipment, got included in in, in the raid. Um, you know, and that sort of thing. And that's, you know, that's very upsetting. Um, but anyway, but I, I you know, um, I definitely don't want to get into names, but James, if you have an opinion on any of that, go for it. The, 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 you know, I don't want to engage in any kind of speculation or conspiracy theories either. And you never know what does it, what, what goes on behind closed doors and in, in, at the DOJ and deciding whom to, whom to prosecute or not. And maybe we don't want to know. Maybe it's and like when. a, like a sausage factory, just enjoy the finished product and don't ask what's going on in there. But, but it, it's, um, you know, it, I, I think everyone's eyebrows were raised there that the timing was interesting and, and that, uh, you know, you just got to wonder if, say the least, if, if there was something there, but you know, we we're speculating. We don't really know if it has anything to do with that. And yeah. it's, and it's Tampa. Right, it's Tampa, but the you know the it's the, so Tampa. The, I was saying to John before the show there there's one theme that and it's not just Tampa, it's not just America, it's the whole world. Is if you if you embarrass and 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 become a thorn in the side of rich, powerful people, wrath sometimes it will find you. I mean, Alexei Navalny made rich, powerful people in Russia look bad, and they killed. And they him, just interred you know? him yesterday. And, and, and um, so you know, here in the United States, a, a journalist like. Like Tim, who does not have the protection of an institution like the New York Times, he's kind of out on his own. Correct. You know, he doesn't have the 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 backup. I don't think he's that the little guy. You know, I, I'll go out on the limb though and say that if it were a New York Times journalist that found this footage and published it, that there's no way the DOJ would have raided the home of a New York Times journalist and 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 tried to prosecute that journalist, or of a Keith Olbermann or somebody who's you know maybe not affiliated with any news agencies presently, but still has that. That gravitas, you know, right? Agreed. But, but a little guy like like Tim Burke, sure, squash him like a bug. Squash him like a bug. I got to tell you, and you know, we're we're, we're alluding to the chilling effect, uh-huh. and and uh, and that's a really serious issue for you know for, at any at any level, journalism, uh, large outlets are small, but especially small, yeah, because I can assure you, and James, as an attorney, you can confirm, you know, this is going to cost. Uh, Tim Burke and his wife, fifty, hundred thousand dollars at a minimum, just to defend themselves to prove their own innocence, yeah, and it, they will never get that money back. I mean, every every bit of that. When 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 you're being prosecuted, and, and people don't think about this, but when if the jury acquits you, and and I know my community, I can't imagine that there's any jury in in the city of Tampa that would ever convict him of this. But the uh, but it still costs every 
penny you've ever earned your whole life, your life savings to defend yourself, and you don't get it back when you win. That nobody says, "Well, sorry about that. You had to." So the the best that's, when, a, that's inherently is a chilling effect for right. a lot of people. Sure, that's that's reason enough to not do it. You know that where where um to to kind of look the other way on newsworthy information, which is so that's scary because the best case scenario for him is. He loses his entire life savings defending himself, and he gets acquitted. That's, to get his good name that's back. That's the best thing that could happen. Right. Right? And so, the feds are never going to admit, oh, we were wrong. Right. You know, the jury might tell them they were wrong, but they're not going to admit it they were wrong. And therefore, the chilling effect lingers. So if you're the next journalist, if you're the next person that, that, run, that finds something on the Internet that's newsworthy, that, that tells the public the rest of a story, you're going to start to ask yourself, well, should I tell anybody about this? Or it, it, is what happened to Tim going to happen to me? Maybe I should. Yeah, that's, that's the chilling effect. Yeah. Chilling effect, is, it's a legal term. It's when it's unclear what you are and aren't allowed to do, so you just it's safer to do nothing. And that's a, that's a place where you shouldn't be. The criminal laws should be very clear what you are and aren't allowed to do. You know, um, I've heard the argument made, and it's a good one, that where all of these experts can't agree with one another whether what Tim did was legal or illegal. Well, if the experts can't agree if something is illegal or not, then it's not. <laughs> you know, right, right, right. The, 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 <clears throat> the laws need to tell you very clearly, if you do this, you will go to prison. If you it, not... Go ahead and do it, and then after you've done it, we'll tell you whether it was illegal. I'm, I'm going to try. I'm going to reasonable doubt. I'm going to try the analogy thing again because right. the last one fell so flat. <laughs> All right, but where are you going this time? Here we go. I'm going to use a sports analogy. Isn't isn't this the kind of uh, you're reviewing the, the red flag's been dropped? Football. <clears throat> you're reviewing the replay. If it's not conclusive evidence to overturn the the ruling on the field, then the ruling on the field stands. In other words, if you don't, if you can't prove it beyond a reasonable doubt, then it's not. You know what I mean? If yeah. You, did I do better this time, James? He did. I'm going to ring a bell better. this time for myself. <laughs> we well, shouldn't the, have even dropped the damn red flag. In the first place. The, the legal term, it's called the rule of lenity, which is that, like it, that. If, a, if a criminal law can be interpreted two different ways, one way the defendant goes to prison and the other way the defendant did nothing wrong, you interpret it to mean the defendant can do nothing wrong. That You can't have a statute where it's unclear whether something's illegal or not, and you don't find out until you've actually done it. So that this, what what Tim, if the experts can't agree on whether what Tim did was illegal or not, then that means it wasn't illegal. Well, Thank let's you see so what the experts on the phone have to say, Mario. Well, we've got a phone call I'm going to get to in a second, but I definitely want to read this email. It comes to us uh, here from Bubba. He says, Jennifer Granick, a new college, a, gra- a new College of Florida alum. New college, yeah. yeah. She's awesome. Maybe get her on the show to talk about the NCF debacle. So that's, uh, you know, we can talk, we can definitely look into that. Actually, she mentioned that to me the other day because she's in San Francisco now, but she said, oh, you're in Tampa? There you go. She goes, I'm a new college grad. She's very proud and she's very upset about what's going on there. And Bubba's one of our contributors weekly. So thank you again, Bubba, for for sending that uh that very good uh, email. So let's go to the callers because this has been an excellent, excellent conversation. And some of our callers have been waiting uh, minutes and more than that. Stephanie from Tampa, we see you there. Can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Well, good morning, folks. Um, good morning. Hey, that's our favorite, Stephanie. It might just be. I hear her It voice. might just be. I hear her voice. No, it is. It is. Um, in our neighborhoods, um, Tim is also a neighborhood leader, so we we are have reached out to him and let him know that we support him in this situation. What really concerns me about this, probably above all else, is that he didn't know what he was charged with until he walked in the courthouse last week. That is absolutely insane that they come and take all your stuff. 
I mean, I would have thought, okay, and maybe it's top secret. Maybe it's a secret. This is this is um, you know something to do with the government. But for that, for the way the whole the whole situation has went down, where it was all secret and sealed, it it just amazes me that our government would treat anyone like that without giving them the information that they need to even defend themselves until they get to court. Yeah, it sounds a little more Putin-like, doesn't it, Stephanie? Yeah. Yes, it does. And I, that, you know, that's, that, that was always my biggest concern for them. Is they, they, just, they didn't know what was coming at them. And, I, you know, how is that? Even if, When you take all my stuff, you should at least be able to justify what you took my stuff for. And, you know, the, a lot of the speculation up until they found out that it had something to do with Tim's work was, was political. Yeah. So, um, and, and so the, um, uh, that's really my comment. I, I'd like to, I'd like to hear from the lawyers about how is that actually something that can be done? I mean, if it was, if it was dealing with our military and it was a top secret issue, but I'm sorry, Fox news is, doesn't deserve secrecy. <laughs> Thanks, Steph. We appreciate it. We Thanks. appreciate Thanks. your call. We appreciate all you do. In, in the uh, Tampa Bay area. It's my pleasure. Y'all have a good day. Thanks, Dan. Bye-bye. All right. So, you know, my two cents on this is from a factual basis, they did seal the um, the search warrant, um, I believe, or they redacted it heavily. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, James. And then that they appealed that to, uh, or, or they, they argued that to the judge, uh, the district court judge, federal district court judge. He said, uh, no, sorry, I agree with the... Um, with the prosecutor, it went up on appeal. It's pending on appeal at the 11th Circuit, but I've been told that appeal might become moot based upon the fact that the indictment's in place now. James? It, the uh, Tim himself and the Tampa Bay Times both moved to yes. have that indictment unsealed, yes. and the court ruled that uh, the... Or, I'm sorry, not the indictment, the search, search warrant, warrant, but that the, the search warrant gave away kind of information about the the way that the investigation was done, that the government's interest in keeping that from the public outweighed the public's interest in knowing. And I got a Tim's feeling you disagree with that I, decision. I, I disagree with it just a little bit because <laughs> the, what Stephanie said is right, though. This was very heavy-handed. I mean, Tim is a professional. If, if they had just called him and said, hey, come meet with us. You published this Kanye footage we think you shouldn't have. You know, he's he's never really said, well, I didn't. I didn't have anything to do with that. I mean, he, he, it's, it's, it's not a question of what happened. It's a question of whether it was legal or not. But it was absolutely unnecessary to have a sealed search warrant and to raid the man's house and to arrest him and, and put cuffs on him. What's, and what's him the jail. phrase, James? Ham-handed? What's, I mean, heavy-handed, right? It, it, heavy-handed, yeah. yeah. It, it, was, it, was, it, it is something that you'd expect in the Soviet Union more than you would expect to happen here. Here, here. So um, Jennifer Granick, uh, our ACLU attorney who we talked to the other day, had some final words about what she thought of this case. Yeah, hush. I wonder why this case was brought and why they're pursuing it. Um, it's not a case where there was some kind of economic harm or where you know purely private information was accessed. Um, it's a very borderline case involving um, news gathering activity about something that's a matter of public interest. So it's it's a strange one to really try to push the envelope on as the um, prosecutors will have to. Um, and I think that, 
you know, the idea that a publicly available username and password and unencrypted URLs that somebody can just click on and see live streams, that those are um, something that are protected either under the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act or as not being accessible to the general public under the Wiretap Act, which are some of the other charges, um, that is just a real stretch here. And I think that it's a very weak case. And it's a weak case being brought in the circumstance where there are some serious countervailing um, you know, First Amendment issues, and that's really problematic. Yeah, I, I um, definitely enjoyed my conversation with Jennifer. I'm going to post the entire conversation uh, somehow in our down and dirty uh, world. Uh, have to figure out how to do that technically, but it'll be there within the next couple of days. Mario, you got another call? We do, and this one comes to us uh, from Maryland, and I believe I believe Marco has called before. Marco, are you there from Maryland? Um, actually, it's Michael. So, uh, good morning, Tampa. How are you guys? Did I say that right? Was it Marco? No, no, no. It's Michael. Oh, it's Michael. My, Michael with a British accent. I'm sorry. What happened was Irene thought it was it was Marco. But listen, Michael or Marco, I'm Mario. Good to meet you. Hey, hi. How are you? Um, calling in for two reasons. Number one, I just saw a post from Sadie on uh, Facebook. And it's TV on the air. I met her about seven or eight years ago at a bluegrass game in uh, DuPont Circle in D.C. So, hey, Sandy. There you go. Hey, Michael. Uh, I'm excited about your book coming out and looking forward to seeing you in D.C. in June. Oh, yeah. Thank you. You too. Yeah, yeah. I'll be sure to wear a name tag so you can identify me. (laughs) Thank you. Get that selfie. Get that selfie. She she will sign your book gladly, Michael. (laughs) Absolutely. the other reason I wanted to talk about it, I'm a um, member of a veterans group called Veterans for Peace, and we're very interested in First Amendment um, situation. We, we know that the military is a great keeper of secrets, and um, they come down really hard on folks who try to let people know what the military is, is doing with our money and um, in our name. Let me let me mention two names to you. Bradley Manning, who was on trial about 15 years ago, I guess, for espionage and various sundry things like that. I, I actually had the opportunity to sit uh, several dozen times in the courtroom at Fort Meade, Maryland, where he was where he where he was on trial, and you could just tell that the deck was stacked against him. And it's the same thing with uh, Julian Assange. She was almost. Um, dying in in prison and we're very concerned that if he is extradited from the uk to america he will just be locked away and have a sham kangaroo court and be found guilty without looking at what what he was actually doing and how and why he was publishing his information you know it's interesting it's interesting that we protect whistleblowers um in the in, in at the corporate level uh quite a bit but when you're talking about whistleblowers, uh, when it comes to the uh, U.S. military, uh, it's a whole different story. Yeah, there, there are. It's, it's a different thing with with the military. I mean, there are legitimate reasons to have, for the Espionage Act to keep some information secret. Who are the undercover agents abroad? I mean, you can't have that be published. That would that would endanger people. Or what are the battle plans before they happen? You know, those sorts of things. You do need to keep those things secret. Um, but Julian Assange, though, is a foreign national who was. 
publishing information that that he acquired and i think that we would we would have a hard time with the idea that maybe the australian government can prosecute an, an american national who found some secrets about the australian government and published them and yet we're asserting the ability to to do that to him that's a little bit scarier but none of this comes anywhere close to Kanye West making anti-Semitic remarks. Those are not state secrets. Those are the kinds of things that were that that uh, Tucker Carlson tried to keep from the public and Tim Burke exposed to the public anyway. And then Tucker Carlson got mad. And Michael, we we, Michael, we appreciate your call. We appreciate your support of uh, Sadie Dingfelder in her new book. Have a great day. And thanks for calling in from Maryland. Thank you so much. I want to hear Sadie's story about the uh, instrument at the Smithsonian Institution. Oh, thanks. <laughs> that was really fun. All right. Thank you, Michael. Bye-bye now. So, and, and in a broader sense, James, isn't this also the conversation zooming the lens out a little bit where democracy goes to die ultimately and eventually? I mean, if, if, we, if we keep cutting our investigative uh, reporters off at the knees, isn't this ultimately where everything goes into secrecy and nobody, and, and the good people that want to put up the good fight don't rear their heads because they're, they're going to get them lopped off? That, that's where the chilling effect comes in, is that today a lot of journalism is sitting in front of a computer and looking for things on strange corners of the Internet. You, you see all the time after there's a mass shooting, somebody finds the mass shooter's manifesto. The dark or, web. Or, yeah, that, some, some video that was parked off in some dark corner of the web that no one thought to look at, and somebody finds it and exposes it, and that's relevant. So, But uh, for there to be this this new rule that if it's on the Internet, but I don't want you to see it, if if Anthony Weiner publishes, uh, accidentally publishes something on Twitter that he didn't want you to see, what was that everybody who looks at it gets arrested Who now, was that right? name again? <laughs> I know, I did. I it's just, just a I, funny name, right? I, just... I committed a sin by asking people mm-hmm. to remember something that happened more than two weeks Ago. I <laughs> but, um. Well, those of you who are tuning in, uh, we've got James Shaw, a, a fantastic uh, local uh, civil liberties attorney um, in, in his spare time. He does all this on a voluntary basis. But um, and, and we've been talking about the, uh, the Tim Burke matter. But as long as we have you here, James, uh, I wanted to shift gears a little bit to Tallahassee and uh, and the infinite wisdom that often emanates out of Tallahassee sarcasm um you know they're they're looking at passing uh, something to severely infringe um the civil liberties and rights of teenagers right it's it's this bill um and and i i read in the Tallahassee Democrat today that there was speculation that probably the governor is going to veto this bill Uh, HB1 and ask for a different version, HB3, to come to him. But the current bill has, um, it does more than just prohibit teenagers below, I think, the age of 16 from accessing social media. It also says that anything with adult content has to have age verification. So all the, all pornography in Florida, you have to, I guess, present your driver's license before you <laughs> you view it. Or, or I, I guess that's what they're asking for, right? But I, I feel like the people of Florida don't want that, right? <laughs> so, but uh, but that that's the current um, that's the current iteration of the bill. You know, it's it's putting what, aside. What, what are the lawyers saying about? What are the First Amendment lawyers saying about that? Well, you know, it, it reminds me of. Um, there was a, a, a debate at the Supreme Court, and I forget the name of the, the case, but Justice Scalia had said, well, you know, if you if you walked into a pornography store, I mean, people can see you in there, right? And Justice Souter responded, 
yes, but there's not a permanent record that you were there. You know, if you're if you're presenting, if you have to present a credit card or, or a driver's license to verify your age before you look at a website, then you've created a permanent record that you looked at that website, and that's enough for people to not want to look at something yeah. that they have a First Amendment right to look at. So not only is this going to uh, impact. Uh, the teenagers themselves, but right. frankly, all users on the internet, porn or otherwise. <laughs> right. But the, as far as the the part about teenagers and social media, that the legislature had a really hard time deciding what social media was. For mm. is YouTube social media? I'm, arguably, it is. You can upload content, you can view others' content, you can make comments. But um, you know, but I think when we say the word social media, we're not thinking of YouTube. But th- there's a gray area like that. So I think they the, the current bill defines social media as something that has that allows infinite scrolling. That's that's their their yardstick. But you're you're not going to be able to define things like this, and uh, that that's a, a feature of a lot of legislation from this legislature. How frivolous and yeah. how, what a waste of giant waste of time. Yeah, it, it was sixteen it was, year olds banning them from using the internet. Yeah, I'll, Come on! I'll, I'll say it out loud. It was part. It was more part of Ron DeSantis's presidential campaign. Like, look at me. I'm Captain uh, Culture Wars, and yeah. I'm good. And 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 we're all about parents' rights, except for when the parents want to authorize something that we don't want them to authorize. And then this the is state the hypocrisy. This what is you're allowed to let your kids do, James. <laughs> it's the hypocrisy that the, right. the, the whole that, that that Republican Party runs on. I mean, it's you know, do as I say, not as I do. I mean, yeah. and you don't have to look too far. If somebody's complaining too much about uh, the gays and homosexuality, just wait. Just wait. The pictures are going to come up pretty soon. And where? On the internet, of course. Well, and, the, and perhaps this is government taking the role, trying to take the role of parents, which is ironic for a, you know, a Republican-controlled legislature. Sadie, you are the youngest person in the room today by probably 20 years. Um, By two years. You're <laughs> maybe I'm right 50. there with you, Sadie. Yeah, there you go. But uh, what's the likelihood that government can actually stop teenagers from accessing social media? Because that's what they want to do in Tallahassee. Yeah, I would say definitely 0% likelihood. <laughs> 3%? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no way. Um, so that's good. Yeah, so, so <laughs> they can pass all the laws they want. They're going to be ineffective, right? Right. Yeah. Mario, what you got? With about five minutes to go, uh, a request came in earlier, and I just w- I wanted to let our conversation continue to be free form. But if you could, James, uh, just for our listeners and and for you know for for our archives, give us an encapsulation of what today's conversation. Give us give us all the the white meat. Give us that breast that good breast meat when you have yeah, that uh, of the that good Chick Fil A sandwich. Yeah, sure. of today's conversation. Yeah. So it 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 this issue has a lot to do with. Um, how far a journalist can go in gathering information. And today, it, journalism today involves a lot of internet sleuthing, looking for things that are already there on the internet for you to find. That w- even even things that have been put on the internet without the intention of anyone finding it. But, you know, if, if I take my personal diary and I put it on a shelf in the library, I don't get to complain that somebody came and read it, right? Everybody's they probably found had, it. had the experience where you've posted something on social media that... Somebody that you didn't want to see it saw it, right? You you posted a an off color joke between you and your friends who read it charitably because they know you, and you come into work the next day and HR reads it back to you in a very serious tone. And but you don't get to call the FBI and say, "I put that on the internet, but I only wanted so and so to see it, not the whole world to see it," and arrest everybody who saw it that I didn't want to see it. But 
so that that's what's at stake is that if there's something that's newsworthy on the internet, Kanye West is newsworthy. The integrity of Tucker's Carl Tucker Carlson's journalism is newsworthy, and and Fox News allowed raw video footage that that kind of put that interview in another light to be on the internet for anybody shame on them for anyone who knew where to look for it to find it and uh, and and there it was and vice news ran it at, at other news outlets i think the daily beast ran it it was newsworthy it was something that that journalists wanted to talk about the investigator who found it you know is is now under indictment for finding it but the the idea that but you left it out there right, it, in plain sight it, it, and it was newsworthy otherwise. so it's a scary you know the, this case is scary because ev- and and rightfully so i john mentioned it but i made a list of you know um outlets that had filed amicus briefs and amicus brief is a a brief you can file in court that says i don't have an immediate stake in the outcome but the but this is going to affect me somehow so let me throw in my two cents a friend of the court right and and so it was the aclu the florida first amendment foundation the foundation for individual rights and, and expression the national press club the reporters committee for freedom of the press all of them weighed in on this because they understand that what's at stake here is if I find some tidbit that's really juicy and it's, and it's there on the Internet for me to find, can I just go ahead and publish it and rely on my First Amendment freedom of the press to protect me from arrest? Terribly so we, important. We were talking about it earlier, but I want to emphasize it. As the mainstream press shrinks vis-a-vis we've lost the Tampa Tribune, Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay Times probably barely hanging on by a thread. As we lose those, it makes these micro journalists, as you called them, I think that's a regular term, mm-hmm. even that much import- more important. Sure, and and uh, and if if you if you go look backwards at the media, which is something we don't do that much, but if you look backwards, a lot of really big stories began with somebody, some some small blogger, some small uh, some little person discovering some interesting piece of, of information and putting it out there and it catches fire. Yeah. So we're not, we, we're, I'm not advocating, but I'm informing. There is a, there is a, a funding opportunity to help uh, Tim Burke and his family. It's called TimBurkeLegalFund.org. Tim Burke with a E, B-U-R-K-E, LegalFund.org. I'm not advocating it. I'm in just informing. What a terrific show this has been. <clears throat> James Shaw, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your expertise with us today. This has been an informative show. Jennifer Granick uh, at the ACLU in San Francisco, we thank you too. And thank you, Irene, for answering our callers today. Skip, for working the board. This has been an incredible show. Sadie, thanks for being with us. Sally, thanks for being there, too, and supporting us. You've been listening to WMNF Radio, WMNF.org, Tampa, Florida. Have a great weekend.